Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness with Chris Doris. And as a reminder, the reason that I started doing this series is because I wanted to share with you um, a, a diverse perspective, a broad perspective of interpretations of what mental toughness means. You know, mental toughness is not something that we've had much education on. Uh, most of us have had none. Uh, there was no class <clears throat> in grade school. There was no class in high school. There was no class in, in I didn't have a class in college. I even went to graduate school in, in, in psychology and never had one course on how to strengthen the way that you use your mind, which is, which is a great way of defining mental toughness. So what I've decided to do is to interview a really vast array of badasses, right, from so, all these different disciplines. I mean, we've had holistic healers. We've had... Um, coaches and authors and speakers. We've had nutritionists and trainers. We've had um, badass sales heroes, people in the sales industry. We've had CEOs. We have uh, even had a, uh, a, college, a, a college student ultra marathoner who just recently completed a 206 mile race around Lake Tahoe in th three days. Who does that? You know, and um, <clears throat> we've had futurists and renowned golf, world-renowned golf instructors. And now I, I am so happy to to be able to say to you, we're we're adding to that list. I am, I just keep delivering, folks. Okay, all right, because you know who we got now. Let me tell you who we who we got today. We got a guy who is a National Football League. Hall of Famer. You heard it. You heard it. <laughs> That's how we roll here at Tough Talks. An NFL Hall of Famer, come on. You know, I did a little math on this. Now, don't hold me to like this super, super specifics, but this is ballpark stuff, and that's good enough to be insanely impressive. Over the history of the NFL, which arguably started in 1920, not by the same name, but whatever, <clears throat> there have been about 400,000 players Right, playing since 1920, there's been about 400,000 NFL players all day total. Of them, only to date, 318 of them have been inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. We got one. We got one. Yeah. You know, 318 out of 400,000, you know what that is? That's eight one hundredths of a percent. How good is that? This guy, he's not just, he's not just <laughs> an NFL Hall of Famer. He's also a cancer survivor, right? We're going to talk about that and, and the importance of, of you know, how uh, he survived and, and, and his advice for men <clears throat> and getting checked. He's a change agent. He's a, vision, a visionary entrepreneur. He's committed to making a damn difference in the world. He's a husband and father. Uh, he, see if you can guess who he is, football fans, see if you can guess who he is here. He played for the Pats, 
The New England Patriots from 1976 to 1982, then he played for the Raiders from 1983 to 1989. He was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1997. He was a Super Bowl championship uh, champion. He, he had an interception. And that's just that great. He had an interception in, in a Super Bowl in the 1984 Super Bowl when he was playing with the Raiders. Um, he, he became the vice... This guy's incredible. He, he became the vice president of player development for the National Football League in uh, 2002. He was there for seven years, which is when we met. And uh, he's, he's also got it. We're going to make you tell uh, this story, the story about your, your tra a great track and field story when he was in high school. So um, with no further ado, folks, I am very proud to introduce to you my longtime friend and superhero, Mike Haynes. And here he is, Mike Haynes. Welcome, my friend. Hey, how you doing, Chris? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah, well, I appreciate you making time for this. Well, you know, we've been trying to get this done for a long time, so. <laughs> True story. True story. Yeah. So I really appreciate you making time for it, man. I know how busy you are, and we're about to hear a little bit about that. But before we do, I wanted to uh, share the story of how you and I initially connected, because I think it's pretty cool. I don't even know if you remember. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think you're going to have to tell the story. Yeah, okay. So here's the okay. deal. It, in fact, I can't even tell you exactly when it was. You started with as I mentioned in the introduction, you um, started in 2002 with the NFL's VP of Player Employee Development, right? 2002. Right. So that's when we met. So we met 16 years ago. Okay. And or that's when we first spoke. Okay. Yeah. I was um, at the time uh, doing, a, I was working exclusively with athletes. And I was doing a lot of work at ASU. I was working with the men's golf team, right, on the mental game. Yeah. I had just also been hired by Dirk Cutter, who was the head coach at the time. I remember Mark Helfrich was the head yep. the, uh, um, quarterback's coach. So I'd been hired by him. And now he, of course, is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And doing great in the NFL. And doing great. Yeah. A little better than I hoped, actually. <laughs> I love Dirk, but he beat our team. Yeah. So um, there was a newspaper article that came out just as you were hired by the NFL, right, for player development. Which, by the way, if people don't know what that means, it's at least in part, it had has that, that role, at least in part, has to do with uh, helping players, well, obviously develop, meaning develop as humans, not just as athletes, right? Right. So more off the field, off the field development. And right. uh, the whole program is designed to help the uh, players transition from college to pro. It's a different deal, you know? Right. Um, a lot of different challenges on your time, you know, financial challenges, family challenges, future challenges, like what am I going to do? So we have a whole group of um, really talented people working at all the NFL teams trying to help these guys make better decisions when they're coming into the league and preparing for life outside the league because the average career of the NFL player is not really very long. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and that obviously requires enormous amounts of mental toughness, which is why it's very relevant to what we're discussing, which is why how we met. So back to the story, uh, I saw the article. And, and I thought, well, here's a, a fellow uh, uh, Sun Devil, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, you, you're a superstar at ASU as well. And, and I loved what you were up to. I had spent some time trying to connect with uh, the Eagles, 
right? And see what they got going on. I think at the time it was Howard Carmichael was their, their guy for player yep. development. And they weren't really looking, I don't think at many teams at that time, 16 years ago, were really looking outside for anybody to contribute uh, with that. <clears throat> I think they mostly wanted um, former players. And well, I don't know if that's true. Um, no. You know, but uh, I, I understand what, what you're saying because when I took the position, there were a lot of former players in that role, um, but they weren't really uh, educated to, you know, to be experts in that role. So when I got the job, I actually realized that I wasn't an expert. And so I had to bring in experts for my team. And I think that helped them uh, in doing what they were doing at their clubs. And, you know, over, the, over time, uh, all of the teams have started using outside um, support. Mm. Uh, to t- try and help them do a better job. Yeah. So I so I, I was reading the article and I thought I'm going to give this guy a call. So I got the number for for I got your number. Called the offices and asked for you. Got your voicemail and left one. And and this is not an exaggeration. Within the hour, you called me back. You didn't know who I was. You didn't know me from Adam. I just you know left a message saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm up to. This is what I'm interested in you know, and helping players, not just on the field, but off the field, you know, because my, my role is to, as a mental coach is to help people have their lives and their terms, not just their games. Right. And you responded within the hour, which was amazing to me, you know, and, um, and then we started the conversation. Next thing you know, I was on a plane and flew out to 345 Park Ave. And we had a meeting there and that was the beginning of a conversation that's been going on uh, between us for 16 years now. Many years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what it, what it was is I figured that you would have a lot of information that very few people would have. And I could have a conversation with you because of your um, background working with athletes. You might be able to help me and my team develop mm-hmm. better programs for players. So that was the reason. It's like, you know, I, um, I always believe that there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that's, that's happening now has been happening or happened before. Mm-hmm. And so I figured that you might be able to help me see something that I haven't been able to see very clearly. And that was the reason I was excited to talk to you. And I love that about you. That's one of the reasons I dig you is because, you know, you're a superstar, you're an NFL hall of famer and, and like, you know, you could have, you could easily have a chip on your shoulder. But I, my experience of you is that you, you have always been interested, first of all, always been interested in serving people, right? Always been interested in helping uh, other humans out, but also always interested in your own like hum- humble enough to always, what you just said basically, right, is yeah. to be open, open to growth, right? Wh- yeah. Which, by the way, open to growth is um, is one definition of uh, discipline because the word discipline comes from disciple, which is openness to growth, which is pretty cool. So that's that's mental yeah. toughness right there. Part of mental toughness is is knowing that there's no ceiling on our opportunity to grow. So I totally appreciate the, that, that about you. So um you are a busy guy it has been a while since we uh, have had this created this opportunity we've been trying to create this opportunity for a minute yeah. so tell us what are you up to these days well in a, in a lot of ways i'm trying to do the same kind of thing um but you know it's a little bit different when i was at the nfl had a guaranteed office a guaranteed check coming in you know uh, all those kinds of things so i actually left the league office in my role as a vice president about 10 years ago and um and since then, I've been doing a lot of different things in the community. I live in San Diego, so uh, doing some programs with different foundations. Um, also doing some work as a consultant with a lot of companies that are trying to do business with the NFL or with athletes or, or, or um, you know, something like that. And because I'm a cancer survivor, I, I, I focus a lot of my time in the health and wellness area. 
So that's, that's really it without being, you know, specific. That's kind of what I've been doing. I've, and I also have, um, I have three older kids and three grandkids by those three kids, but I also have three younger kids um, that are one in college, uh, just a, a sophomore in college at Boston College and two more in, in high school. One's a senior and uh, one's a uh, freshman. So, you know, being father, trying to be a good father and good husband um, has a, that's not an easy duty either. Um, but um, trying to do all those things and do them at a high level is very um, challenging at times, but I find a way to get it done. That's a lot, man. Yeah, you had a field hockey game to attend last night. Yeah, and my, my daughter's team won three to nothing. That was right good. On. That's beautiful. Right on. <laughs> against, against the Sun Devils, believe it or not. They were, really? Yeah, they're playing a local team here, um, Mount oh, Carmel, and they're, yeah. they're, they are the Sun Devils. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I remember seeing uh, you were doing commercials for prostate cancer when you were battling, or I guess shortly after you defeated it, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. that require any mental toughness, huh? Well, you know, that's, that's a life changer. You know, uh, fortunately, I discovered I had it when it was in the early stages, and that's when it's the most treatable. And that's, that's why, you know, when they asked me to be the spokesperson for that, I said, yeah, let's do it. Because I mm -hmm. know if most men are like me, they're not thinking about it. They, mm -hmm. And by the time they go, it might be too late. So, um, so I joined their campaign um, to try and educate men and women, as it turns out, um, to um, know more about this disease so that guys will make better decisions when it comes to it. And women? Well, yeah, what I, what I realize is really tough sometimes to get a guy to go to the doctor, um, but his mom or his wife or his daughter um, might be a little bit more successful at getting that done than, than I was. And so in the beginning, I was recruiting men, in particular, other survivors like myself, but I realized that it'd be much easier if I tried to recruit women to help me with this fight. So, you know, as, as everybody knows something about breast cancer, and that's because it's a women's disease, woman's disease and they really are, they've done a fantastic job of getting the message out. But when it comes to prostate uh, you know, cancer, most men don't even know where the prostate is or what the prostate does. So, so, um, so it was a, you know, a huge uphill battle. Um, but with their help, I think we got a lot done. And most of my team working at um, the AUA's headquarters were women. And uh, they were focused on uh, helping me getting the word out. And I think we did a, a real good job. But those, that's kind of come to an end for me now that my um, agreement with them ended um, at mm -hmm. the end of September. So I don't know. I still want to get out and do the exact same thing. So I'm trying to find another partner to, to, to help me get that message out because I think we can save a lot of guys' lives. Right on. So along those lines, a little piece of advice for you, and I'm asking you for myself. I just turned 50. When should people, when should dudes start uh, getting checked? Well, if it runs in your family, you might want to start uh, in your 40s. Uh, but if it doesn't, you can wait until your mid-50s. Um, most guys don't know if it runs in their family. I didn't know if it ran in my family. And, um, and I fortunately, I found out when I was 55, and I found out by luck. Um, but, and so, you know, we don't want men to find out by luck. We want them to be educated and proactive and knowing what some of the things to be looking, uh, looking out for are. And the best thing a guy can do is really just talk to their general care practitioner and say, hey, I'm kind of concerned about prostate cancer. Am I doing the right thing? Should I start, um, you know, doing blood tests now with you? Or, you know, do you need to do a digital rectal exam? What, what I've learned about a lot of things really is you have to take control. Most of these guys, like, like myself, they think the doctor is in control. I just go do my, take my annual physical and, you know, leave. But you need to be actively involved in asking questions like, hey, doc, you know, I'm not sure if it runs in my family. 
are we taking uh, some precautions here? Are we doing this, that, you know, take some control of your, your health situation with your doctor. Don't just mm -hmm. let him be the, uh, you know, do the whole thing. Cause in the end, if he doesn't do it, you can't say, Oh, I've been going to the doctor every year and he never said anything. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's no legal recourse there, <laughs> you know? So right. you have to be the person that is uh, actively involved as well as your doctor. Wow, man. Well, I really appreciate that. I didn't know that we were going to go there. I'm glad we did because that's really relevant to me right now. I'm adopted. I don't know if it runs in my family, so I might need to go get on that right now. So I really, yeah. I thank you. That's, that's good stuff. You're speaking right at me. So, um, you know, one of the reasons that I do this, this Tough Talks series um, is because uh, I, it's really important to me, Mike, to spread the word of the value, the importance of strengthening the way that you use your mind because our minds govern the way our, our lives unfold and almost none of us have had any formal training or even education at any level, right, on the specifics uh, of how to do that, or that that's even a possibility, that, th that the brain is something that you can even invest in strengthening in the first place. Most people don't even know that, mm -hmm. right? So it's important to me, I've committed my life to that, and this is a way, this is one of the methodologies that I use in order to spread that word. Uh, but the people that follow my blogs and my, and, and my stuff, uh, my content, you know, they hear from me all the time, and my impression, Right, of what mental toughness is. And, and part of what I want to bring to folks is a bit of a diversity of perspective right, on what mental toughness means because I think a lot of people relate to, to other people's messages on mental toughness, right? So I'm interested in hearing from you, um, what does mental, the term mental toughness, what does that even mean to you? Well, I think it really has come to mean a lot of different things, uh, but most importantly is having a plan, you know, like having a plan of action, something that you really want to do. Like you said, you want to help people, you know? Um, and the plan doesn't necessarily have to start off as being specific. Just, I want to help people. You could help them a, a million different ways. Uh, but then you start to look, uh, look deeper into it and start to make different decisions that are related to, is this, in, <clears throat> is this on the path, <clears throat> excuse me, of helping people? Am I on track? And you just keep um, adding to, to your knowledge and to your experience uh, and using that to help people. So for me, as a football player, I said, I want to be the best defensive back ever to have mm. played the game. Now, at the time, I didn't even know all the defensive backs that had played the game. You know, I didn't know who they were or, or what I was saying, like what, how would I define in this, in, in the end, how would I define that I was the best player to ever play in the game? Uh, but I didn't know. So did I need to get stronger? I didn't know, you know. And so um, as I started to experience, you know, going on practice field and going playing in games, you know, my um, success or failure, you know, and how it lined up with my goal. Uh, and then I just kept changing and adding to um, what I was learning or doing to, to where in the end I felt like I'm on track and I'm doing what I can I'm controlling what I do to make sure that I get to this end that I really want to get to. Hmm. And um, it wasn't super specific, but after a while, things start to get specific, like, like my time, like how many hours do I need to be in the weight room? How many hours do I need to be on the track? Um, what kind of workouts do I need to have? What kind of coaching do I need to get? What is it that I don't need, uh, hmm. I don't need to know or I need to know? All these different things. Uh, and all those things helped me prepare for football and, um, um, you know, even how to deal with injuries and uh, how to deal with 
recovering, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the toughest part for me has been taking all of that information, all that I have learned and using that in other parts of my life, oh, you know, perfect. because, and because I say, if I've had the success here in this area, I should be able to have the success in other areas. So I, I actually turned out to be a, a very good student when it came to football in the, in the classroom, I might not have been a great student, but when I start realizing that they're kind of related, um, you know, my effort in the classroom was very poor and my effort on the football field and in practice was excellent. Well, how do I get a little bit excellent at my effort in the classroom? You know, what do I need to do? If I just add five minutes a day or 15 or 20 minutes a day, is that going to be enough? Well, that was a start. And I, I think I started learning that, the things that I learned in football in the mental toughness uh, areas where I learned to be mentally tough, I could do it in other areas. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's harder for me to see, you know, what needs to be done in other areas, but I know that it's doable and which allows me to have uh, some excitement about moving on. That's amazing. What a response. So could you talk a little bit about, that's actually quite a perfect segue also to, to the next follow-up question that I have, which is, so you talked a lot about, you know, how mental toughness, has played a role for you on the field in terms of being disciplined, in terms of being calculated, right? In terms of thinking about, uh, and this is really huge, thinking about uh, being clear rather on doing what, it, or what it takes, like what will it take? For, well, actually back behind that or before that, it's like you said, you, you didn't want to be good. You, you, you didn't even say you wanted to be great. You said you wanted to be the best. A lot of people are afraid of, of not just putting it out there, but even putting it in there, of going there for themselves. They're afraid of that, right? So one of the things um, that I'm interested in is because like you're, okay, you're a hall of famer. We've established that. That is an unbelievably rare achievement, right? So, so that would make it really easy for some listeners or viewers um, because, you know, this is both, this is a, both a, um, a video blog as well as a podcast um, to pedestal you to say, oh, well, you know, mental toughness is easy for him. Yeah. How would you respond to that? Um, I think I'd have to say, that it's easy to say for me, maybe, but it's not easy to do for me. Mm, that's very um, yeah, interesting. I, I was a, a good athlete, you know, in a lot of ways, I still think I'm a, a good athlete. Um, I think that if, had I had made the same decision in the classroom, like I said, I want to be number one in my graduating class when I graduate high school. You know, I want to be the best senior that has ever come out of Marshall High School. You know, I never said that. But I'm sure that there are kids that do say it, mm. you know, because their parents are, are educated, they're, you know, they're around educated people, um, and they feel like, I have this in me, I'm going to be the best, I'm going to be number one in my class. And, they, and I wish I had. My parents did not, uh, they only cared that I graduated from high school. That was it. You know, I just can't wait till you graduate from high school. That's it. Mm. Uh, if I had a report card full of all C's, I they wouldn't have said anything. Most, now, my kids have a report card of all C's. We say, you're not trying. You're not working harder. Do you need us to get your tutors? You know, we put an emphasis on the education, on their education. And my parents really didn't. And so when it came to sports, no one put an emphasis there except me. That was me guiding Mike. Uh, and um, I wish that I had had somebody in my life that was encouraging me to do the exact same thing in my education. It all worked out fine. But it, I was going to say, why? Why do you wish yeah, that? Yeah, well, it all worked out fine. But when I graduated from high school, I didn't even know what my grade point average was. You know, I played an all-star football game and all these schools were talking, you know, hey, where are you going to go to college? I wanted to know. 
I was really ignorant, man. I had no idea what my grade point average was. I didn't know if I was in the upper half of my graduating class. I hadn't taken the SAT or, or ACT test because my goal was to graduate high school. <laughs> you know, that's what my parents said as a goal. How old were you when you decided, or when you, I don't know if you decided, how old were you when, I guess when you decided that you wanted to be an NFL player? I was probably in my second year of college or yeah, second year of college. Really? So in high school, you did not think you didn't fantasize. Well, of course you fantasize, but you didn't say, you know what? I think I got what it takes. I want to do this. No, I never no. said it. Growing up in Los Angeles, man, it's, hmm. it's like the Mecca of athletes. There's so hmm. many great athletes there that hmm. um, I, yeah, in our area, I might've been the best athlete, but in the city of LA, I never was the best athlete. I didn't win anything where I was a top athlete. The first time I played in something that um, that made me uh, a top athlete was that all-star game when we upset the Southern section, our section upset them in, a, in an all-star game. That was it. So I never really felt that. I never, I never felt I was a great athlete. I never thought I was a great student. Um, but when I went to Arizona State, uh, I ended up starting as a freshman. But, you mm -hmm. know, there's a year out of high school, I ended up sitting out an entire year um, uh, because I hadn't taken the SAT or the ACT test. Uh, and that, that hurt me from getting into college right away. I was going to go to a community college and Arizona State said, hey, maybe you don't have to go to community college. You know, let's talk. And so, um, so I ended up not going to community college that, that year and thought I'd start um, college in the spring. But that didn't happen either. So I um, uh, ended up missing an entire year. So when I started college as a freshman, I was 19 instead of 18. Hmm. And, um, and I felt a little bit older, but I started as a freshman. And I think that. Uh, I started the last three games as a freshman. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, oh, such an oh, athlete. Oh, you're exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last three games as a freshman, because uh, they were so talented, a lot of talented athletes. Um, but even starting there as a freshman, I didn't think that I was going to, you know, a pro quality type of athlete. But when a lot of those guys that I played with went on to the pros, then I started thinking, Wow. That's pretty cool. You know, if he can do it, I can do it. So that's when things started to change for me. And I started to set a goal at being the best football player I could be in college and, and hopefully make it to the NFL. Um, that but, uh, is so fascinating to me. So I have a, a question on that, which is, so um, you were really good in, in high school. You yeah. Were, you were a great player? Uh, well, what I, what I know now, Chris, is I did not have great coaching in high school. My senior year, we didn't win a game in oh. football. You know, we were 0-7, 0-7-1, you know, and, um, and we only had two coaches. We had one coach for wow. offense and one coach for defense. It was, it was pretty much an academic school. I mean, we weren't really a, a sports school at all, and I didn't know that my coaches were horrible. I didn't well, you know. You good enough to get into ASU, okay? That's a, that's yeah. a top-notch D1 school. Yeah. You, yeah. Don't get, you don't get there as a scrub. Well, so here's I my question. There. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Say what you're going to say there. Well, I was going to say I got there because of that all-star game. They hadn't – no one had seen me play until that all-star game. And I was moved to defensive back maybe two or three days before the game. I asked the coach if I could move to the position. Why? I'd never – because I, there was a guy on our team that, as a receiver, we were all beating the guy all the time. And I realized that I wasn't going to start. Uh, and I, even though I thought I was better than the other receiver, because he was all league, I'm not all league, all city, and his quarterback was our starting quarterback, they were a team. 
So when we started practicing as a team, he went in, not me. And, um, and so I said, hey, coach, can I move to this other position? And he goes, yeah, go over there the rest of the week. So I went over there and practiced there, and we had a scrimmage. And uh, during this scrimmage, it was just they put the ball on like the six-yard line or something, and the defense held them out. Well, they, it wasn't because I got an interception uh, or knocked the ball down. It was a running play that came my way. I came up and stuck the uh, halfback, and then the linebackers and the other guys kind of helped me bring the guy down, and they didn't score. And the coach said, you got the starting job. Um, but when I got to college at Arizona State, that's when I started getting coached. That's when I started realizing um, what it takes to win. I had no idea what it took to win at, in high school. Do you ever think – now, as I listen to that story, there's something remarkably huge that you just, just brushed over, like very as a matter of factly, that I think is a massive takeaway from this conversation for listeners or the viewers. And it's that you – initiated you asked you asked the coach yeah you didn't wait just like you were talking about with uh, prostate cancer not waiting for the doctor to say hey you get checked yet like you proactively you were proactive there do you acknowledge that like do you think back when you just like reflect back in your life and uh, think of like pivotal moments it, do you consider that as as one of those amazing because like if you hadn't asked what might have been different yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I have thought of that. I have thought of it. And, um, and, and even like about my, my entire high school experience, right? Um, so I asked and, and the coach let me do it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then in the all-star game, I'm covering a guy who all the college scouts are there to see that uh -huh. I didn't. This I, is, story's getting better by the second. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't, that I didn't even know about. I this is know. amazing, man. See, this what I'm talking about. Here's the magic right here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's slow this down, all right? Because this is huge, right? You had a desire. You had. You thought something would be useful. You you wanted something, all right? We'll simplify it to that. You wanted something, right? And and you asked for it, which is a thing that most people don't do. Right. Okay. There's a. I don't know if you ever heard. This is Byron Katie. This is an amazing book, Loving What Is, right? Byron Katie, she's got a million quotes. One of my favorite quotes of hers is, anybody could have anything that they want if they're willing to ask a thousand people for it. Huh. I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't ask, if I didn't ask the, uh, the golf coach at ASU or if I didn't ask Dirk Cutter you know, to yeah. hire me. So asking for what you want is a huge element of mental toughness, is having the courage to ask for what you want. doesn't guarantee, of course, that you're ever going to get it, but you guarantee that you won't by not. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you asked and, and then, and as a consequence of like your coach agreeing, then that put in, now, did you know in advance that, uh, first of all, you, didn't, you could never know that he was going to say yes to that. Did you know that you'd be covering an all or like a superstar who scouts were out to watch? Um, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about him. You know, I knew so, that, so that. So that was not premeditated. And this is what's so no. beautiful about that is that, yeah. oh, 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 then that, ha oh, wow. So all these yeah. eyes are on you. Right. Because you're and defending so him. And how'd you do? I did great. So <laughs> he, he caught one pass for the mm -hmm. entire game, a mm -hmm. quick slant. And our, our free safety hit him hard. That was his only pass for the game. But at the end of the game, when they were, they realized if they didn't score here, they were going to get upset. They start trying to throw the ball to him. And, you know, I shut him out. And so at the end of the game, their, their last play was a, a ball up in the air, high, 
to him, you know, because he was six feet one, um, figured he'd out jump me or something, come down with it somehow. And I came down with it wow. because, because I wasn't a defensive back. I caught the ball in the end zone. I didn't even know what to do. I'm like thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, what if I get tackled here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, and so one of my teammates ran in front of me and said, Mike, Mike, just take a knee. It's over, man. We won. And, um, and I took a knee, and we started celebrating, and wow. it was fantastic. And that's when I was, you know, surrounded by all these coaches. And I really felt kind of strange, you know, to have that kind of attention. But, um, you know, not knowing, not being able to answer any of their questions was – kind of a bummer you know <laughs> oh really so uh th- th- this is so i love this so much because um i say i, I use a lot of mantras and the one that you're yeah. reminding me of right now is inherent within your passions are the mechanics for success inherent but and if you, but if you just have the courage to ask or to yeah. move in the direction of right to move towards that's another one well, that's it. You, to you have to have the courage to ask yeah. and you have to have the courage to move in the direction. Yeah. You know, that that is the maybe the most important thing is moving in the right direction. Mm. And um and I um I wish I had that in every area of my life, you know. Uh, but it is definitely something that I realize that people have to do it. If you really want it, you're going to have to do your part. You can't ask other people to to do it for you. You know what's so beautiful to me about that story? It was a, a several things, but the, the one that's sticking out for me right now is, is like the magic, man, is the unpredictable, amazing things that occur as a consequence of you having demonstrated the courage to ask. Yeah. You couldn't have predicted all that stuff. I mean, seriously, like think back. You could make a movie. It's like a sliding doors kind of thing. Like how would your life have unfolded if you didn't, as a kid, as a high school kid, go up to your coach and say, coach, is it cool if I go to D-back? If I give that, yeah. can I try that? You know, I mean, yeah. seriously, I, work, I have worked with so many hundreds and hundreds of maybe thousands uh, over the past 30 years of high school athletes. Now, I'll tell you right now, and you know this is true, that most of them don't have the courage to go ask a coach what they, for the, what they want, to approach the coach and say, coach, this is what, I, this is what I'd love. So I'd love to yeah. see happen. I don't, I don't think they would view it as courage, you know? Like, um, like I can't view it as like I had the courage to do it. I just wanted to do it. You know, it wasn't like I, I had to get myself, you know, set myself up for this and had to be really tough to go do it. It was just like, I wanted to play. Mm. And, and I knew if I asked the coach, he would, he would let me play. He'd give me a shot. I knew mm. that he would, you know? Mm. So, uh, you know, being, cause he was really, he was a coach from, um, our area, our division, you know, in high school, we, and so I ran track and everything. And, um, and my guess is, is that, the kid that he said yes to, he knew that I was, there was a good chance that I could beat that kid out because I think that if he would have said no, that would have meant, you know, obviously he didn't think I had what it t- took or, or what it takes. So we got to give the coach some credit. And one right. of the other things though, Chris is yeah. like, we say everything happens for a reason. I wonder what happened to that kid that I beat out. You know, that's, when I think, you know, like it was many, many years before I realized what you, what you realized in a second, you know, like, wow, are you aware of what you did? You know, how the, all this stuff happened? Well, it was many years later when I was looking back. Hmm. It might have been when I was inducted in the Hall of Fame because I don't, I don't think I spent looking at a lot or thinking on a lot of my life. And hmm. there's not many things that happen in your life that make you look back. Like, so who do I owe credit to? How did I end up here? You know? 
And so it might have been then when I started thinking back like, yeah, wow. Yeah, I was the one, man, I'm in the Hall of Fame for that same position. It's crazy. And then I, then I started thinking, wow, I wonder how it impacted that other kid's life. I never really uh, have found out. I've been asking up in L.A., but um, not really sure what happened. Mm. Uh, you know, hope, hopefully, I mean, like if maybe an interview with him is like, yeah, I never really wanted to be that guy. I was glad <laughs> that guy came over and took yeah. my position. I have right. no idea. Right, but right. Uh, it'd be interesting to find out. Sure. So of your, uh, dec- your remarkably decorated career, Mike Haynes, what is it that you're most proud of? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, gosh, I think I'm most proud of the fact that I've been able to be in a position where I feel like I can make a difference. And, um, and so even with my kids, with my football career, with the NFL, um, working at the league office, I really feel blessed that I feel like I've been in a position where I can make a difference. And, um, you know, really, I think that's probably it. You know, I, as a kid, just like you, you know, you said you always wanted to help people. Mm. That's, I've always wanted to help people. Mm. You know, I, I wish, sometimes I wish I could say, I wish one of my things was I want to be a kazillionaire, because then maybe I would have been working to be a kazillionaire, you know, uh, and maybe I would have become a kazillionaire. Uh, but that wasn't really something that, I really wanted to do. I just wanted to live a nice life and be able to help people. Uh, And then for the people who want to be gazillionaires, I'd love to be there to help them become gazillionaires because, you know, it's, it's the same thing. We're talking about mental toughness. There's no real difference. It's just, that's a different goal than, than my goal. Right on, man. Is there any place that you would like to, uh, or anything that you'd like to um, tell the listeners about or direct them to? Is there anything that you're uh, working on that you want to share with them or, send them to check out? Um, you know, I, it's, it's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a loaded question, really. Um, you know, because well, I, just, I don't mean it to be loaded. <laughs> I just want if there's anything that you got going on that you want people to know about. Yeah, no, the, the, only, the only thing is, is that, you know, like my sport, football, it's kind of evolving, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, continues to evolve. And um, there's a lot of concern about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because we know a lot more now about what injuries, you know, can do down the road, like, yeah, maybe you hurt your knee today mm-hmm. uh, and, and you're able to train and it's fine now. But when you're 60, you know, it might be really weak. And so just, you know, just um, just if I had any anything I'd want people to know is I think you, we need to look a lot farther down the road mm-hmm. than we think. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, I looked to 21. When I was 21, I looked to 30. When I was 30, I looked to 50. Um, when now I'm looking to 125. And I, you know, because I think that, you know, we live, we live to the level that we think we should be living to or just under it. And um, when I was diagnosed with the prostate cancer, I really thought that I would live to be around 60, wow. you know? Um, but I had diag- I was had this diagnosis at 55, and I, afterwards I realized I didn't have a goal with regard to how long I wanted to live. Mm. You know, I never really thought of how long I wanted to be doing these different things. So, so the my the thing I'd like people to, to do is set even higher goals, higher than they think. Set goals even with regard to 
uh, how long they want to live. It's just, if it's about money, make it about money way out there. You know, mm. I said a, a gazillion. How about ten gazillion? You know, yeah. um, but I, I really think that we we can achieve a lot more in our lives than we are actually doing. But we need to set goals higher in order for that to happen because. I believe that we all fall short of achieving our, our ultimate goals. Um, but if our goals are low, then, you know, we're never going to really achieve a whole heck of a lot. If our goals are high, we're going to achieve a lot, but we're still going to fall short. So have some big bodacious goals. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to live to be 125. I want to be healthy. I want to be a great, grand, great, great grandfather. I want to be able to still uh, to uh, help my community. I, I still want to work at helping people understand other people and um, stop, stop judging people for, you know, for their religion or their color or, or race and those kinds of things. And just try to help everybody live, you know, comfortably on this earth. That's beautiful. What I, what I love most about that is not being afraid to fail. Like I, I like to never reach my goals and, and I'll just quickly elaborate because that could sound really weird and the opposite of mental tough or mentally tough. The reason is, is because I set them so high that I'm happy to fail, right? Yeah. Because they're so high that what I do achieve is higher than if I had set a mediocre goal. Right. That's exactly so, what so I'm I'll talking I'll take this about. failure all day. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll live in that failure all right. day. Right. That, that's powerful. And that is mentally tough. So that's been great. Uh, hang in with me for a second. I just want to let folks know that, um, that I have, uh, within the last year, I created a, a pretty cool thing. Uh, called the Daily Dose, Mental Toughness, uh, Tidbits in 30 Seconds or Less. So it literally is 30 seconds or less. I time them. They're the little notes that come in your email first thing in the morning around 6 a.m. So if you're interested in getting those, in fact, I'll, I'll even read you today's. It's, uh, here's an example of one. The flow state is synonymous with the term the zone. They both refer to the psychological state that we're in when we're crushing it. And I love the term flow because it's what water does in a stream. When water comes to a river rock, it doesn't arrive at it, stop and say, hey, we got a problem here. There's an obstacle. It simply flows gracefully around it without any hesitation or loss of momentum. That's the effortlessness of excellence. Be like the water today and practice flow. So that is an example of one of the nuggets that you would get. If you're interested in getting on that list, then just go to my website, ChristopherDoris.com, and it'll be right there on the home page. Thanks for tuning in. And if anybody uh, watching or listening has any suggestions on, um, on folks who I could interview for the Top Talk series, please let me know. You can email me at chris at christopherdoris.com. You don't need to be an NFL Hall of Famer. In fact, we've checked that box off now for Top Talks for a while. So thank you, Mike Haynes. <laughs> and Brian, I really want to thank you so much for making time and your unbelievably busy schedule for this. This was really, really great. And I, I really thank you for your insights and for the way that you show up in the world. You're an inspiration. Well, I appreciate that, Chris, and uh, I really appreciate what you're doing and your effort to uh, get the word out to other folks and really make a difference in our world. Amen. Thank Thanks, you. Mike. Thanks. Right.